it's not easy butchering people. It's hard work. You know, there's a lot more like me. We're talking to serial killers. Serial killers! New terminology. Are criminals born, or are they formed? How do we get ahead of crazy if we don't know how crazy thinks? It's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Welcome to the Hollow Nine Mindhunter Podcast. Alright, so we are back with the uh, next meeting here of our uh, Behavioral Sciences Division of the Hollow Nine Network, covering the Netflix original program, Mindhunter. I am Dave the Clone, director of the team, and uh, joining me today, it's just uh, the dynamic duo of myself and Mr. T.W. Brown, special agent on the case. Uh, we may be joined at a later date by, or later date, later time, <laughs> by some other uh, psychologically more inclined uh, folks who have been on the show before. But for now, we will hold down the fort, uh, just kind of like uh, holding in tench, going on the road and doing the school. It's just the two guys in the car. So, uh, yeah, this, this is, is our road trip. Yeah, this is our road. <laughs> we're on the road episode. Uh, but in, even in this episode, they go and they have a buddy that they're they're working with, right? This is one of their uh, side sort of missions where they're putting into action the some of the things they've been cataloging as far as how the mind of a maniac serial killer works. And and oh shit, we may have we may have one on the line. <laughs> we have we got a and line out. The, the the Jethro police officer that doesn't want to believe anything's happening in his town. Yeah, this was the come to Jesus episode for him, right? This was yeah. a little bit, a little bit of uh, a little bit of development for everybody in this episode. We and it, and again, I think uh, it's not it's not um, spoilerish or out of line for at this point for us to be sort of paying attention to specialties of uh, relationships between characters like mothers and sons. <laughs> um, it's been such a big <laughs> focus. And in this episode, one of the things that I think is crazy, this whole, it's almost all like this whole episode is almost like an X-Files monster of the week episode, because it really is all just on this case. Yeah, I mean, there's very little that's, that's antecedent to this. And um, and we see so much of it in this one sort of shot, I guess, because it's like they have that one trip out there to kind of catch everything. And it's like yeah, we, don't, we don't get a prison interview in this episode unless I'm in, unless I'm wrong. I, I don't believe nope. they have interviews. It's just this one. And I, I, I already have guns loaded for this episode because this really is again, I like to hold on to talking about the realistic sort of time frame and the way that it's portrayed. Because right now, if you hear that some woman is killed, some married woman is killed, who is the first suspect? Always. Yeah, it's either a significant other, a boyfriend, a husband. Yeah, it's and and yeah. I think it's not even yeah, like you said, it's not even just now. That's that's a thing. Like uh, I I kind of every once in a while when especially since myself being single at the moment and sort of single and looking it's like I'm always looking thinking man it would be so nice to have somebody but then you kind of pull that shit into perspective like oh hey by the way make sure that whoever you start going out with 
doesn't have anybody in her past who might fucking murder her because guess yeah. what you will still be the first <laughs> right away they're coming to where you work and they are putting the cuffs on you to ask you some questions yeah. but they've already got a spot waiting for you downtown like they literally are like yep it's him he's going to fucking sleep. he's sleeping in jail tonight there's no fucking way the the boyfriend slash husband slash significant other um not to be sort of a uh, gender uh, exclusive i'm just saying uh we're going on basic <laughs> basic format tonight template guys so please yeah. forgive pronoun misuse um yeah, and it's 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 the thing is that the the cops don't want to believe that it's the the boyfriend fiance whatever he's supposed to be you know and you're in bumfuck altoona so you know <laughs> i mean this, this place is not you know a, thro- it's, it's a thriving a metropolis. Very drab, but, uh, very yeah. drab backdrop in this episode. Yes. <laughs> you're like, yeah, oh. this is this is this is the steel town core that you're you're used. To. This is what you think of when you're going to the whole Pennsylvania idea. You know, this is the the town from all the right moves <laughs> and everything else like that. You know, where Tom Cruise the gets to Pennsylvania play idea. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, know? The, the concept of this place called Pennsylvania. <laughs> and it's just going to be bombed out like Dresden. This motherfucker is a skeleton of what used to be somehow a functioning just, civilization. <laughs> it's just big rusty buildings made, you know, oh. that, that, that are going to be, you know, and brick facades that are kind of crumbling on the corners and, you know, and and then the people. Yeah. I mean, you look at the you look at this this group that they interact with in this episode and You've got you've got a bunch of backdrop characters for Napoleon Dynamite. I mean, these people are just death row. You know? Well, I mean, yeah. Is- I mean, there are some things about it that stick out so much right away. And it really, yeah, I think this is one of the first episodes. No, well, I can't. It's almost every episode probably has a revelation moment like this, but... This is one of those episodes that really hits home with the you have no fucking clue who the person sitting next to you on the bus is. Because if they're from a place like this, they could be one of these fuckers who's like, well, I tricked my my slow is what they would probably have referred to him back then brother-in-law into taking the rap for me raping and murdering his girlfriend <laughs> because because she was tired of dating him because i guess she was pity dating him and like you know there's also the mild manneredness of that that quote-unquote slow brother-in-law the um what was his name barry um yeah i think so he, you know, buying the donuts, knowing that the cops are coming over. There's 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 an element where you want to believe that that's coming from a place of naive innocence. You know that, hey, listen, fuck it. They were coming to my place. I take pride in being polite and having good etiquette. Um, I, you know, it, it throws shade on. OK, so there's everybody who knows the actual rules of etiquette when you have company coming over. Like, does that automatically mean? All right. Wait, wait. The fucker had donuts. Waiting for you. Cops coming over. Donuts. He was hiding something. You just arrest that guy right fucking now. There's a certain level where I'm like, oh, man, you know, I think in some people's minds, there's no reason that that would be suspect, you know, and and it's very possible from seeing the way this guy carried himself that he could be one of those people is my is, is how I read his character. And I think maybe that's how we're supposed to read him. I don't know. The moment he started crying like that. In that opening interview, I'm like, 
Oh yeah, this guy's dirty, man. Well, this you intention. So dirty. <laughs> so you're the but tension. That- I'm the holding, going. Maybe he was really upset. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting there going. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, this guy is so dirty. <clears throat> it, it's interesting because I've had a lot of interaction the last several weeks with guys who have done time. Um, I know it's not out your way, but there's a, a, a brand out here called Dave's Killer Bread. It was actually um, created by a guy who did a grip of time here in Oregon and then got out, created his own bread line. For and murder? Because if he was yeah. in jail for murder and he's making killer bread, it's like, yeah. dude, now, you are owning that shit to the bank and that is so badass. That is and, I mean, applause. Applause for real. He sold company for like $36 million or something oh, like that not too long ago. Oh, shit. Nice. I mean, nice, dude. Oh, man. But he made, it a, he made it a policy to uh, you know, to employ guys who were getting out and that kind of thing. He's got a podcast now. In fact, I was a guest not too long ago on where, you know, he's talking to guys who have done time, come out and are making their own mark, you know, with their own businesses and stuff. And he's trying to show the the, the, the society as a whole that these are not throwaway citizens, right? Right. And so talking to a lot of these guys, you know, we kind of get into these conversations and this show comes up and, and we were all the same when it came to that guy and his crying. The first thing we all said was, he did it. Guilty as fuck. Oh, my he God. Did it, man. That crime was so fake. He did it. He did it. I mean, but that's the that's the jaded sort of incarcerated viewpoint, you know? I mean, you just look at that guy and go, guilty. Guilty, ah. guilty, guilty, you know? Whereas the more compassionate people, the less jaded people, the people that haven't seen folks run the system are looking at him going, the poor guy. Well, I mean, I just you know what you know what part part of it for me is it remind he reminds me that character reminds me of people that I've I've known in my life who were older than me. You know, like there was this one substitute in the school system that I uh, grew up in who I mean, thinking back on it, you know, there were I, I can't say that I wasn't guilty of participating in the sort of torture that that guy was put through at times i think after a certain point i stopped you know that i definitely know when i would see him out in public not in the school settings it was always very cordial and there was like a i was actually very like respectful of my elders and and whatnot but i mean this guy could not get a room to calm down or to respect him if he he when he when you found out he was the substitute teacher for your class you were like oh fuck that man let's read comic books or you know (laughs) like that's it we're gonna play cards in the back of the room it was sort of like i remember vividly this time where he basically was kind of trying to hide that he was starting to cry you know now (laughs) this guy he also then he worked at uh this i fuck anyone who grew up with me who listens to this hopefully there are some hopefully there's some of you guys out there um (laughs) they know probably exactly who i'm talking about i'm not going to use his name but i definitely he worked at one of the convenience stores downtown as well and i remember I came in over the summer with a couple friends and because it was more than one of us, if it was just me, we probably would have said hi to each other. Everything would have been fine. But because it was more than one of us, he like saw us come in and tried to make a beeline down one of the aisles to get to the back of the store so that we didn't see him. And he almost knocked over a display of shit, you know, like an end cap of like suntan lotion or some shit. And I just remember watching this episode, seeing that guy going, fuck, he reminds me of him so much. 
And now to think like, well, holy fuck, maybe that guy had a freezer full of heads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> maybe that guy was cutting off appendages as fucking trophies. Who the fuck knows? But you know, I guess to even tie it to some of the other conversations going on today about bullying and about how it's leading to maybe this violence in schools. I mean, all of these people that you're hoping are able to take it. I think that's maybe that's one of the things that goes on out there is that you, they just think that you're going to be able to take it. Like, and I think that's sort of personified in this guy's brother-in-law's character, you know, like yeah. fucking man up, dude, you could take this. And there are people who can't, you know, but it's amazing because of how frail they look. You would never think they could do some of the sick shit. Like this guy obviously couldn't do things to a living corpse, the living body, but he was able to mutilate a corpse. He was able to do shit after it was dead. Yeah. That's a level of crazy and sick that it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I might have contributed to somebody who could be like that or I have to assume is like that because of how similar he is to this character. Like, what the? <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funny thing. is, the, As soon as I saw Frank, you know, the 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 the. the cohort in this whole yeah. thing you know mr mr man up uh the the the, the gigolo of the crew the, the mastermind uh, really was, all i could think of was cut this is where the napoleon dynamite came in because all i could think of was oh, oh my god rico. It's cousin rico <laughs> holy shit see i'd never i did not even think that and now i'm not gonna be able to watch this episode the same ever again i'm glad i watched it twice today before we start <laughs> because i also really feel for the the officer the the people the i forget what his damn i'm terrible yeah. I, I should have had a website open for this hey send us in some email for god's sake at um at mindhunter at com, or you can hit us up at hollow9podcast at gmail.com or info at hollow9.com attention mindhunter um, and tell me who the fuck like the names that I missed up like, guys you know every <laughs> once in a while we get tired here at the behavioral sciences division of the hollow nine network you have so many cases so little <laughs> any idea of the shit we go through behind the scenes like you know, a podcast yeah. network may appear simple to uh, take care of from the outside but I assure you we are it's like you know we're trying to figure out who's getting what office in the basement while we're on the road interviewing people who definitely need to be brought to justice you know um including people's moms <laughs> again always including people's moms this is this for me was was one of those episodes that you know when i watched it i thought you know it, it was almost the the police show formula the way this episode sort of played out i mm -hmm. mean it was almost like this was if they decided to go network you know the, this, the commercial network and make yeah. it, you know, mine hundred the series, this would be the week to week stuff we would see yeah. with an underlying case underneath it. Like you were saying, the X files monster episode. I mean this, but this is what we would be seeing, you know, because they, they take this one and they really jump into this and, and it's fun to watch sort of the dynamic shifting back and forth and the side conversations that happen away from the case. The conversation he has with Carr when they're when they're walking through the through the parking lot, the one he has with his girlfriend in the apartment when she's talking about the whole when he starts, you know, basically bagging on the guy for being a big crybaby, mm -hmm. you know, and she sort of starts talking about some of the things she did, you know, in the past and everything. And he's like, yeah, okay, well, you know, women crying for men is one thing, but men crying to men, come on. Again, you know? with her showing signs always in my mind of like, we, how are we not supposed to start thinking shit? You know, she is 
a little too in the minds of these guys too. Like just from hearing it secondhand through Holden, there's a crazy theory about her. I almost don't know if I should mention it now. I mean, We've mentioned already this is a spoiler-filled podcast. It assumes that you've watched the whole season, or at least up to the episode we're doing now, and that we're going to unapologetically drop things that we know or don't know. And speculation is always just speculation. This episode, we we kind of... uh, It's hard to... You know, because, like, there's so many different facets of this show that it's like, okay, do we do it scene by scene, or do we jump in and do themes? I always actually kind of like doing themes and seeing how it goes, but... Those opens that we keep getting, hinting at, oh my god, you know, while these guys are developing this whole system for identifying these types of uh, criminals, these mass murderers and serial killers, here's one we're watching develop on his own, and we're watching his evolution, and so we have this open, I mean, we have revealed that this is the BTK killer, right? We have spoken about that before. Which, so, by the way, I just want to interrupt you. So don't lose your right. train of thought. No, I'm good. I'm good. But I have actually <laughs> grabbed a couple of books on BTK this last week, and so I'm actually going to study up on that over the next week because I'm, I'm not a I'm not an Anne Rule kind of guy. You know, I lived with these people. I don't like reading about them. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but this is one that for this it, it got me curious, and so I've actually grabbed some some stuff because. You know, Chris has always got the info on that, and so on nights when CJ's not here, yeah. you know, maybe I have a nugget that will sort of feed the fire, so to speak. Well, I mean, there are there is so much about the fact that that's who it is that I think is is part of what makes this show as amazing as what I hope it continues to be in season two. Um, it, it, the scope that they're talking about here, and and because he was caught during my sort of awake aware lifetime you know you know, they, i was a i was a very young child when ted bundy was was caught and executed and you know i remember seeing pieces of his interviews but like the the final day interviews before he was executed um on good morning america or whatever the hell we had on the tv when i was eating cereal before school and he seemed like such a nice looking person that my child mind had no idea what kind of a person he actually was right or why it was even why is he even on tv you know like there's there's that point of your mind too where you don't really you don't really kind of get like what tv and movies are and why certain yeah. people get to be on it or in them and and so um kind of thinking about it in those terms and thinking about the idea that the BTK killer was caught so recently and that this is taking place so long ago and that we seeing him at the same time that these guys are figuring out the way they're going to be able to recognize these people, this guy is, like, out there doing the shit. And he's not only doing it, but he's one of the ones that, like, taunts the police, right? Because he's one who is... He, obviously, in this episode, we see him dropping off a letter in a Letters, mailbox, yeah. wearing gloves, gloves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all that shit where you're just like, oh, my God, dude. People... uh but well, below a certain age, a certain generation right now won't even understand what the point of that shit was because they will yeah. only exist in a world of email and text messaging and like won't understand the importance or or even yeah. just the phenomenon of physical mail, snail mail, as they, they call they it. They drive past pay phones and wonder what those are for. So yeah. right now, the ones I see are all just people living in. Them and that's something that I've started looking at now is what's behind the scene when he does things like when he drops off those letters. I was looking at the logos on the buildings. 
Yeah, and I saw this time. I saw the clock and the the one the clock that's changing between the time and the the, the temperature. It's yeah, seven thirty, and and it's thirty seven thirty four. Yeah, and it's thirty two degrees outside, so it's winter. So him wearing the gloves would make sense. You know what I mean? Like, and how he's doing all the shit that we eventually in two thousand five found out that he had been doing. Like the reason he's called BTK. You're yeah. just like, fuck, man, like this shit's going on and he's walking right past people on the street. You know what I mean? He's got a wife and a kids. You know, there's like a lot, a lot about this and the irony of the fact that he's doing this while they're beginning to be able to catch people like this. You know, it's 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 yeah. kind of a testament to um, his sort of, I guess you want to call it this skill level <laughs> if he's a if he's a character you're gonna pick in a video game this is one of his skills they will basically not catch you for two decades <laughs> you know like your your reign of terror is gonna go a long time you have 20 years to kill at will <laughs> and then another 10 to lay low that they won't find you and then when they do find you though it's gonna go all the way but i don't think he, what he got life in prison he didn't get the death penalty or did he get the death I... penalty don't know if I think didn't they ex, I thought they executed Bundy. See that well, Dan, Bundy, see Bundy that? they did, but I don't know about oh um, BTK. Yeah, no, I think BTK still sitting. I am going to go to the Google machine. Um, but anyway, like we want well, that was a very long rant on the five second opening shot opening, of this yeah. movie. <laughs> that's what shows. That's how important that little nugget that we get in the beginning starts to become. I mean, it really. I wait for the credits. I'm like, come on, credits. Come on, credits. Hurry up, hurry up. I want to skip the button, but you made me feel guilty about that. So I'm, you know, mm-hmm. letting the credits play through on the replays um, because I'm one of those people guilty of, you know, doing the skip intro thing. But, you know, now I sit and I watch through the, through I the never, credits. <laughs> I never do skip intro. I'm a big watching the whole thing guy, like a completist in that way, especially. Yeah. Especially with a show that we were talking about. Uh, before we got on the air here, but with Glitch, uh, that was one of the first ones when I noticed that skip intro shit started. I was rewatching Glitch for like the second time is when the second season had finally been dropped on Netflix. Um, and I was like, no, fuck you. Like, first of all, the intro is not that long. And second of all, how it's it's like you're supposed to get a breath between episodes in my mind. That's that's also why the watch credits like some of these shows had cut scenes after credits that like when the when the thing would automatically jump to the next episode you're gonna miss that now i always get pissed that you have to sit through the multilingual fucking uh fbi notices or whatever the hell at the end but i kind of just fast forward through those or jump to the next episode as that happens yeah but as if you're gonna skip through the credits of friends that's one thing but skipping through the credits of something like this you don't know if you're gonna miss something and so now I'm, i'm i am more cognizant of what could maybe pop up or what sort of clues could happen, you know? Because yeah. this is one of the things is that the people that are producing those, and this show has now, is, is part of that, that wave, I think, is they can slide little things into those moments mm-hmm. that really sort of tie into what you're about to see. And especially, you know? like, if you don't think of Fight Club every time you see the actor who plays Tench come on screen, and you don't think of the fact that David Fincher the most meticulous filmmaker alive did fight club and fight club is, is very famous for having these sort of flash single frame, almost subliminal message level editing going on. That's what that whole open feels like to me. Like, and, and it's almost maybe to also just 
not hit you over the head too much with the brutality and horror of what the some of these cases are because I think that's something that this show is kind of is really portraying well as sort of the level of preparedness mentally and emotionally some of these police departments were not at um for being able to deal with these types of killers these types of minds anyway these types of criminals that think this way you mentioned that and that is a perfect moment is when when they were after they left uh uh, benji after they left his house after that first interview after they leave benji's house and they're in the car and and the cops talking about you know how well you know we just wanted to let him know that you're coming it's because it's only polite and he goes well you know and, and they're talking about to go see his mom and and sarcastically tense goes should we call her first and the cop just like completely deadpan serious goes it would be the right thing to do and yeah, like, i think it oh would be polite God. yeah i think it'd be polite you're you like know? jesus dude i was fucking kidding yeah, are you, know, you serious that is that that is that almost that naive mindset because again this sort of brutality wasn't on television every single day like it is for us now Every day you're watching some sort of terrible, terrible death uh, being played out on the <laughs> smile yeah, uh, sorry, being, <laughs> being played out. And we were almost numb to it. Whereas back then, it's, this is just unimaginable. You know, I mean, they, and it certainly couldn't be somebody that you went to school with. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, and that's that is what is hitting home for me so much about the substitute guy. You know what I mean? That you're like, fuck, there are also people who were in my class that I'm like, shit. Well, you know, I mean, remember my season, my my episode four drop was the guy that walked into the grocery store carrying his mother's head in his hand on Mother's Day. That's yeah. I mean, there was also wasn't there a guy who beheaded somebody on a bus a couple years ago that was sort of on that level of like uh, everything was going fine. All of a sudden he turned to the guy sitting next to him who was asleep, listening to his iPod, started stabbing him, stabbed him 27 times and then cut his head off and walked around the bus carrying the head. Like now that point, the bus driver already pulled over and everybody else jumped off. But they had him locked on that bus till cops show up and he was just holding the head up to people through the windows. But when you're in a town of 3,000 people, because when you drive into Estacada, you see the sign, population 3,078 or whatever the hell it is. The last thing you're ever going to expect on Mother's Day, Sunday, Mm -hmm. is for some dude to come walking into the local small town grocery store carrying his mom's head. And that sort of mindset almost exists in this town, but not to the level that you see on Mindhunter when... Even the cops just can't believe somebody's doing this. I mean, the idea that it could be somebody they know is just not fathomable. And this is the thing that I think Mindhunter really starts to bring out is this is, again, where I jump on my history bandwagon and say this is this shows where we were then versus where we are now, where everything is a split second with a screen crawl and catchy music and a label that gets splashed on your screen and it's a daily event on top of that there's also some kind of sponsorship usually somewhere snuck in there too so it's like as you're being shown this horrible shit this uh screen crawl was provided by tylenol which you're gonna need to take after this shit is over 
Of course, I hope by dropping Tylenol in this content, the context that they won't sort of immediately not consider ever sponsoring us. But I'm just saying we're using you as an example because it's you're so well known and uh, you're a brand that, uh, you know, I, I mean, do I have to say Bayer aspirin? Maybe we go that route. I'll say, hey, you know, you help us avoid heart attacks and uh, you help me prove points on podcasts. Bayer aspirin. <laughs> Hall and I Network. Think about it, guys. Think about uh, it. And pretty soon we're going to become like Wayne's World. <laughs> Little, yellow, different. We will not bow down to corporate sponsors dressed head to toe in fila. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know. that's just crazy, man. But right. if Netflix wanted to throw us some sweet sponsorship money for praising the shit out of their show, because, yeah. I mean, one of the things about this show, you know, when I describe it, I often say it's uh, Seven plus Zodiac plus Silence of the Lambs. You know, the the sort of these are the high art, high craftsmanship type films about brutal what are usually before this time, before the times of Silence of the Lambs, before the times of Seven. Mostly we're landing in the horror sort of slasher movie, splatter movie realm. You know, you didn't see a lot of serial killer where there's not so much violence as there is talking about violence and maybe making you imagine the violence more than you actually seeing the violence, which is a tried and true, like, uh methodology to almost make the relationship between people watching this and the people making it more intimate than if they were being gratuitous and showing you stuff that you would then not be able to unsee. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. You know, there's something to be said about the sort of Hitchcockian way of, of alluding to without, you know, and letting your mind be the theater, you mm -hmm. know, because pretty much nowadays, I think our heads could come up with stuff far worse than anybody can put on screen. Well, yeah, I, I mean, just... it's it's part of the reason, too. Like, when you think back to, you know, I always think back growing up, uh, one of the sort of big trust issue areas I had relationship-wise is because the first girlfriend I ever had um, in high school was a heavy drug user and uh, would constantly try to tell me not to worry or that she wasn't doing drugs, but then whenever she was with friends, not with me, she was doing drugs, you know, and nothing that I think was uh, anything like IV drugs. It wasn't heroin or anything like that where I was like, oh, fuck, do I have to get blood tested now? It was more just like... You know, smoking pot way before I was a, a, an advocate for its use medicinally. Um, and then, like, doing things like snorting Adderall and taking acid and eating mushrooms back before I ever tried mushrooms. Um, you know, definitely there's the pre-experimental person who has no idea, you know, how preachy it is to be so against people smoking pot and whatnot. But maybe as teenagers that we shouldn't be. I don't know. Um, but you know, it's a far other thing at that time to also be like, wait, so you're crushing pills and snorting them. Like you, so you just told me you were going to the bathroom. Like, so I, I developed a seriously hardcore, um, trust issue from stuff like that. And, uh, you know, a show, <laughs> a show like this making you suddenly question more so about people that you may have grown up with that that kind of are exhibiting things that that now this is exploring from that certain type of you know what I mean like that's that's what having your mind being the theater does it puts it in this like holy fuck now I I, I understand those memes that say you walk past four serial killers in your lifetime you know what I mean like literally yeah. on a street somewhere you walk past the guy who's a serial killer 
Well, yeah, it's it's you know, and I would normally I would save this for episode six, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna. It's kind of the now thing, and, and we already talked to about it earlier, and we've talked about it before. But that's the funny thing about when I get together with some of my friends that are that are on the outside now, and we'll be in a restaurant having dinner with our wives, and there'll be five or six of us at a table, you know, and we're sitting at this table. You know, surrounded by all these, quote, normal people. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look over at another table and see another dude we know. <laughs> with, like, like with, his, know, with his new family that don't know about his history that you guys like, he's like giving you the sign like. And it's the thing is, you know, you don't know. You don't know who you're walking past. You don't know who you're sitting next to on the bus. I mean. I mean, in this episode, who do they break down in the interrogation room? Who gives them all their information? It's the woman, and she's part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sister, the, 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 the... Isn't that Frank's wife? It's Frank's wife, but it's Benji's sister, right? Yeah, so that's, yeah. yeah. So she's in the middle of all that, you know? I mean, she's the one that they have, go, go get the cleaning supplies, you know? I mean... And she forgot him at first, and then... Yeah, it's just... She got there, and she's the one who sort of... Now, it's something that will be dealt with next episode, but when it happened in this episode, I felt like I had something a little bit in common with uh, Dr. Carr (laughs) next episode. It's the way she described what she saw. I kind of picked up on the word splashing being a little awkward and odd and sort of sticking out like a sore thumb kind of situation there. So, you know, that's definitely, though, something that gets explored much later. Not much later, but much more depth next episode. I thought one of the things they did really well in this episode is coming back to the scene of the crime with the cop and doing the walk through the house and having that camera, you know, show the stain down the wall. Yeah. And he's holding the knife in his hand and it's now coming down on his shoulders that, yes, this happened in your backyard with your friends, people you knew. Yeah. You know, and he's having to look around and he and there's the bathtub, you know, there's the bathroom and all this stuff. And it it's like this massive cosmic gut punch that this mm. cop has to take as he has to realize that the whole world he just knew evaporated. Yeah. The you light know? bulb didn't and just I, go off. It went off and shattered over his head and rained yeah. glass down on him for a few minutes. You know, and I thought that they this was one of those things where s- cinemagraphically they handle it so well when they when they do that walkthrough scene. You know, I thought that that walkthrough scene really sort of brought the gravity because, you know, the light's so dim, it's mm-hmm. so dark, you know, and it's it's this guy's end of his innocence. You yeah. know, he's a cop and it's his life just it's going to go downhill from here. He's going to start drinking tonight. It's in, it's interesting <laughs> that you say the end of his innocence, too, because that's a big deal they make with um, Benji during his interview when they're saying, you know, did you have sex with her? And he's like, well, she was my first sexual experience. And then it sort of uh, kind of doesn't necessarily add up later. And he kind of, again, seems a little on the too frail side that you're almost like, wait a minute, really, dude, did you ever even have sex? And it's, it's almost like the same way that Holden doesn't seem like he should be able to be getting the chick that he's got right now. Like there's no reason a girl like Debbie should be with Holden, but 
He's yeah. he's doing it. So, you know, maybe there is a possibility that this Benji guy had someone who was not only willing to move in with him, but willing to marry him. Um, we kind of find out during Frank's interview that he goes, no, Benji thinks they were engaged. You know yeah, what I mean? See, like that was that was the thing for me is as I was watching this, the one thing I started thinking is this guy's created this fiction in his head and. You know, it's almost the it's it's almost a precursor to like things like the Dorothy Stratton story. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, you know, he's created something that isn't real at all. And once the reality hits him, he just has no other way to deal yeah. other than, oh, she's got to go. You know, and it's scary because so much of the world that we all have to sort of share together is based on a lot of the time us agreeing on what is real and what isn't and what you know and, and that's why it's sort of an interesting time in terms of things like all the conspiracy theories that are out there you know the fact that we have so many we have two very vocal parties of people arguing over whether or not the earth is actually round you know what i mean there's a lot of weird dissonance and when you think of the fact that something like somebody having a kind of obsessive uh sort of uh obsessive um view of somebody else where they kind of almost imagine a whole relationship with them that isn't really going on i mean that's something that's very typical of a lot of villainous characters all throughout the history of cinema and tv and and it's always it always is usually surrounding a guy wanting a woman who doesn't want him back you know, yeah. which is another fucking interesting thing we have now with these fucking incels and shit <laughs> going on in reality. Now, it seems like it has roots all the way back in this. It's it's one of those things. I mean, think about you know, the history of when we watch, when we're watching television now and you think about some of the stuff you watch on regular network television that you can't imagine being shown just as recent as 10 years ago, mm -hmm. much less 30 yeah. or 40, you know? This world is from that time, you know? Yeah. When, I mean, this is this is, this is is an era where we, we have just come out of, of things like Vietnam and Watergate, and we're trying to recenter ourselves, and, and you know, the, the hippies are kind of spreading out into into the real world now and you've got you've got two polar opposites that are just sitting there waiting to try and shape the next decade and a half you've got the straight lace military cut and the and the hippie flower mm. child and that's really what the culture was broken into back then and it's just you see that now and and you can't imagine you know things like 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 Jackson and places where the, the, the race riots went on, yet we've got protests happening in cities weekly. Yeah. You know? So why is it so hard to believe? You know? And yeah. and and but it's it's only hard to believe until you've experienced it. Yeah. And so many people when you watch it on television, it's not real. Yeah. Well, especially this where it's a period piece. You know, like it's so yeah. hard for anyone who wasn't you know, I wasn't 
around for the 70s. I was born in 79, but I feel like the times I remember of my early life in the 80s and looking back through family photo albums albums and shit, I I get that this time period was real and happened. You know, I mean, I I existed in a pre-internet world, so I know what it was like to not have access to the kind of information that these guys are the first ones sort of collating and putting together. And to think that part of that process involved them getting in cars and getting on planes and actually physically going to different places, talking to different people, teaching classes, taking notes, bringing that shit back, writing it all down again. You know, it's like, holy fuck. You know, there's a moment where you're like, all right, I do kind of get why we were so quick to embrace this thing called the Internet. Because holy shit, just think about cutting that whole process down into, yep, I found the shit and emailed it off. (laughs) I didn't have to get out of my chair. They didn't have to get out of their chair. You know, but we also didn't take into account that that would bring into things like security cameras. Like, hey, do you have a a security system in your house? Well, you know, if this house that uh, Benji was living in with uh, his girlfriend... Uh, fiance uh wasn't it betty jean is it was something like her name was something yeah, like that yeah. like bobby yeah. jean um yeah it was betty jean i'm pretty sure if they had a security system in the house well maybe there would have been photo you know video record of what actually went down and it wouldn't even be up to how do we how do we get one of these people to crack and tell us what the fuck really happened because you yeah. could see the two versions like so you're saying you know benji has the right away okay he's lying but he's fragile and probably didn't really know 100 percent what was going on or how many crimes he was committing frank definitely was driving the bus and then this chick well we don't know she's a little weirded out when they go to the house she's got the crying baby that they just put to sleep right when the guys decided to come and interview her so there's a lot of factors that were kind of putting pressure on the way they were trying to interview her and it wasn't until after they left that she had to think about it you know and then decides to come to the police station and all right let me revise a few details of my story <laughs> you know what i mean like let me richard kimball this for you well and and, the, and that's the other thing is is hard it's hard to and i think this is one of the things that it shows is unless you're in that serial killer mindset which is what they're trying to discover Keeping those details straight is just not a natural thing. And they're cluing in. And and even we go to episode six before the splashing becomes, you know, relevant. That statement, I didn't pay attention to it in episode five, but I sure as hell did when Carr brings it up in episode six. Right. And it's, it's that sort of thing that they're paying attention to. If you're not a sociopath, if you're not that person that they're looking for the serial killer you just things get so muddled and you can't keep your facts straight and that's how they're going to get you and that's the difference between that little group in altoona versus what they're really trying to look for yeah i mean (laughs) they have earmarks of the type of brutal killer you know but serial killer not so much yeah and and it's also that these are the people that in these side missions that they're catching, like like the guy that they caught in episode three, who was killing the old women. That was like on the second time that he assaulted somebody, he murdered them. Um, these are the people that they're catching before they have a chance to get to 
spree level killer ed kempers who killed 17 you know or 32 however many people he killed they called him the right. co-ed killer i think he killed like 32 people um you know and he like the person who came into the store in your town carrying a head under their arm he was walking around with heads in duffel bags and shit you know what i mean the the people that they're catching in these side missions are the ones that are sort of just coming out of their shell <laughs> you know they're like like yeah this is like this is murder one for me you know now frank being the driver of the bus in this um, is just supposed to be a product of a rough childhood, rough life, rough upbringing, rough history of being already kind of in the system. Um, yeah. And but at the same time, he's a different kind of he's more of like the con man, grifter, murderer of opportunity, if needs be kind of guy. He's not he's not someone who's secretly humiliating his mother by murdering people and fucking corpses. You know, it's he, he's 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 evil cousin Rico. That's what he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he's he, he, and his abuse just gets a little overblown finally and, and goes, you know, uh, you know, goes dark, you know, versus just the the backhand or whatever that you know maybe he was administering before and now it's it's just it's become something different um and it's because maybe he felt like his man was manhood was disrespected or whatever his reasoning but this is he could have gone down that line you know you remember the guy that they talked to the one that wanted the wanted big red you know yeah. i mean he was sort of a serial killer, but really he was more of just a sociopath that hated women and and just wanted him to shut up. You know, I mean, that was his thing. He kept saying that. I just wanted her to shut up, you know, and so yeah, he kills him, you know. But he didn't, he didn't quite fit the mold they were really trying to establish here, you know. Yeah. He, he, had, he had hints of it. But he really wasn't the mold they were looking for. He's the arrested development high school bully, you know, would have been, should have been captain of the football team if he didn't drop out because he just didn't want to do his work. Who right. then got into either doing construction or landscaping, something with his hands, something where he's getting money off the books. And he's sort of lived that sort of on the fringe life. He's not you know uh ed kemper who was living with yeah. his mom and just snapped you know he's not the nightingale killer he's not charles manson there there's a level of uh, like the only word i can actually think of to use there's a level of sophistication that those minds have that his doesn't his is exactly. much more like oh shit there's somebody passed out that i can fuck on the floor right now and the only person who's witnessing it is my slow brother-in-law fuck this i'm doing it and then i'll tell everybody yeah. what the fuck the story was you know yeah. it's not like this intricate like and then i'll cut the body up and leave it in enough garbage cans separated by enough miles that if you looked at it from a map it makes a smiley face like there was there's not not no real evil like his mind is not what they're hunting <laughs> not the kind of shit but he is the level of brutality of the crime that is getting is what pulls it into their radar. I think is what makes this yeah. officer pull them. He's, in. He, he's got, he's got damage, but he's not, he's not the evil genius. Right. You know, he would only have been one of the henchmen. 
we drop a lot of Netflix show titles into random conversation over here at the Holland Eye Network. I hope I hope it's being noticed out there. And if it's not, we'll stop and point it out every once in a while because you can only talk about people who are getting away with amputating the breasts of a corpse for so long without having to come up for air and calm down. You know, this as as we don't want to be the next um subjects of our own behavioral studies uh investigation because God knows uh, being so immersed in this world could have its consequences. God, who, you know, maybe that. Oh, maybe that's where the show's going. I don't even know. Could you, could, could you do everybody a favor and lift those, lift that dust ruffle up around the bottom of your bed so we know there's not a body under there? Oh bed? shit! Seems <laughs> and there you go. Now, now this pl- the seed gets planted, and the next thing you know, the director of the FBI is getting pissed off. And he's putting them, up, on your door, putting them in the basement and making them study my fucking text messages. <laughs> so why are you so fascinated with mine, Hunter? There, Mister Clone. <laughs> oh, he has nothing to do with running a podcast network that uh, talks about shit like this exactly and wanting to kiss Netflix's ass. Has nothing to do with either of those two things. Oh, yeah. That's one of the funniest things too about you know. Um, filling out like business paperwork you know for a podcast network when it's like you know purpose of business and you're like shit how do i describe this <laughs> i want to make a rolling stone that deals in audio files instead of magazine pages you yes. know i i am a video entertainment uh dissector exactly yeah, but yeah and it's like but we have to we rely on other people's artwork to, to be able to sit around and critique an op-ed. Um, We're just I'll, taking Chris Hardwick's stuff to the next level. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, intelligent. <laughs> Well-reasoned, <laughs> you know. Uh, we're, we're, you know what? We're those people that you hear talking around the water cooler that you're like, fuck, I wish I was friends with them so I could join that conversation because I actually watched that episode twice and I, I was really confused about this one thing. Like when the plane fell out of the tree, did Boone actually die or was the island really talking to Locke? And it's like these guys seem like they know. We're <laughs> just performing a service. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Biting the bullet so you don't have to. Um, so, yeah, the big, you know, and I love too one of the things that's uh, signature about this show instead of it being necessarily a cliffhanger it's like you know the episode ends because some hit song from that year is about to come full volume as they cut to black and start rolling credits and it was like the last ep the last thing they ask the sister is before we uh, end the episode soprano style it was um, who killed her because she she said that she got there and saw the body and the body was already dead when she got there um, and they, you know, she, they just wanted to get her to confirm which one of these dudes did it. And she just goes, I don't know. Cut to black. Song comes up. Why do I hate Mondays? Um, <laughs> I think that's the one that was in that episode. I think so. And um, uh, definitely this show has put me on a huge kick of going back and listening to a lot of 70s classics, um, especially Exile. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but um, and, and actually, you know, there's even some. Um, Billy Ocean in there. There's a lot of stuff in the background that really also completes the world. And um, Uh, my weekends are full of my Spotify 70s playlists. I have to. (laughs) Is it from Mindhunter? Is that what brought it back on, or just Uh, actually no? You know, I just uh, when the wife and I are doing stuff around here, we like to have music that we can both sort of sort of jive on, and and so we're we're both 
we both really relate to the same stuff of the 70s. In the 80s, we sort of branch in different directions, but in the 70s, we can mostly agree. Nice. So, uh, so the weekends, it's mostly 70s, kind of cranked throughout the house. That's cool. So, so, yeah, that's the cool thing at the end of Mindhunter is you go, oh, I got to add that song to my playlist. Yep, yep. Or, or if, like if you're like me, that you're kind of like, all right, I know I've heard this before, but I don't exactly know what it is. I'm going to quickly get my phone out and Shazam this real quick and find out what I'm going to download later. And that, and that, my playlist on my iPod Touch, which I still use, is the continually nice is growing. <laughs> They're using the actual cuts, whereas a lot of other shows are using like new versions. Yeah, of... or somebody remaking it, or some shit, someone covering it. You know, I see that a lot in Handmaid's Tale is uh, they take these you know really cool songs and they're being redone by people that I don't know. So and I I can't watch that show. I can't bring myself to try. I, I'm already so furious about the dystopia our world is becoming that I've been told by colleagues on this network and others. Uh, like the fangirl zone which you should check out if you're not and um they said yeah clone you will be losing your goddamn mind every every minute of this episode each episode you'd probably be like i am breaking stuff i can't do this i'm getting into fights with my family um this show's just putting me too far over the edge some shows get frustrating like that um as far as i can tell mind hunter because of the sort of pacing and the way that this show unfolds i don't feel that but then there are definitely other shows where i'm like oh god <laughs> you know like god damn. mindhunter is just very well done it's just very intelligent yeah and it really does stick to the material and to the era i i mean i can tell you as i watch it i watch it for you know clues to the time frame that they're in and i want to know that they're still you know I don't want to see somebody holding a digital watch, you know. Right. I mean, I just, you know, I'm I'm really sort of stuck on the the background, and my brain sort of jets back to that era, and I try to make my brain remember the way I felt and the things that I thought during that time, because this is right where I'm sort of, you know, I mean, this is where I was coming into my own. This is where I was just getting ready to be, you know, 11, 12, 13, and starting to get my own mind, yeah, you know, yeah. so. I became more aware of my surroundings, and so it's nice to watch this and see it adhere to that era. And the fact that BTK gives us a window that could go all the way up into the 2000s, if that's what they're trying to... See, to me, that's what they're telegraphing with something like that, is like, oh, by the way, we're going to highlight the fact that, the, you know, why would we do this if it's not going to be that he eventually is somebody that they catch because of the techniques that... Um, are developed through this program in their behavioral sciences division. Um, so, you know, I'm waiting for the times where I'll get those same moments of nostalgia. And, you know, I'm already thinking because there's other shows on Netflix. Like if you haven't watched White Gold, um, I definitely suggest that one. But it's the by the same creator as The Inbetweeners. So if you've never seen The Inbetweeners, which is another UK show, watch that shit first. It's only six episodes a season, three seasons. And I think it's only 22 to 25 minutes an episode. Watch that to get down with their style and humor, and then watch White Gold, which is set in the 80s, and they use so much 80s music. It is a nostalgia head trip, just like Glow, you know what I mean? Just like the Glow original show on Netflix, where you're just like, fuck, I'm downloading this song, too. Oh, my God, you know, like, I'm, like, I'm buying a lot of shit on iTunes lately, and it's all because these shows are really, like, now I feel like the, the era I grew up in is the prime zone. You know, maybe, like... In the 80s and 90s, a lot of stuff was being set in the 60s and 70s to kind of that go was called period. The, yeah, there were shows on the radio back then when I was you know, in the 80s that was 
based off of the movie The Big Chill. So people were coming up with big The Big Chill Hour. So they were playing a lot of that 60s era music. Whereas yeah. now you can't you can't find 60s stations. Yeah. Whereas you know they used to be a dime a dozen. Now classic is considered the 80s. Yeah, like it's aged up, right? Like the window yeah. has shifted. And so now the 80s, there's like a prime area for people to be setting movies and shows because it's also, I think it's ripe for all the psych gags that we we're actually just describing that we're not looking forward to on this show. Like, I don't want to see them on cell phones because so much of this is because they don't have that shit. You know what I mean? Like yep. when, you know, um, but at the same time, I'm starting to think like, okay, what are the what are the hits they're going to use to really kind of you know let us know? Okay, we're in the '80s now. You know, we're going to hear we're definitely going to hear some uh, you know uh, what's her name Debbie Harry doing Rush Rush from Scarface. You know, we're gonna we're gonna hear some Madonna, maybe a bunch of different Madonna. Maybe that will be Simple how they minds. Talk. Don't you forget about me is going to have to come into play at some point. And it depends too on on what. Holden's relationship status is and how much we jump if they do time jumps because there's a certain theory out there I guess since we're we're going long on this one um, and we were hinting at some things where if this is BTK you know the sort of way that Debbie is being portrayed on this show she seems to exhibit some of the um, the sort of workings of the minds of the people that they've been hunting here and um, there is a theory out there that she is the daughter of BTK. But I don't know time-wise if that actually makes sense now that I say it because her and Holden's relationship is going concurrently with all the BTK stuff. And yeah. I don't know if he had a college-age daughter at that time. But I think so. It would make, Not in the 70s. It would definitely be interesting to find out that she is the daughter of a famous serial killer. Like maybe she's Zodiac's daughter or she is the Zodiac, something like that. You know, that might be something that they do. And, and being that Fincher did the Zodiac movie, it would be interesting that maybe uh, Mindhunter becomes like their central universe that all these other shows and movies are then now branches off of. Like the way Stephen King's Dark Tower universe became sort of his sort Everything. of main thing it's the way tangent city is for us you know there's going to be a yeah. lot of stories that branch out of tangent city but it all starts with establishing this huge universe where all these things could coexist i don't know i i just think i like the idea more and mostly that debbie is gonna turn out to be a serial killer if she's not already like she just there's something too cold and calculating about her at times for it to not really eventually be paying off and leading in that direction. In my maybe mind. she becomes the evil genius. Or maybe, and maybe it's from interacting with Holden. You know, who knows? Like maybe having been this intimate with a person like him who is being not only obsessive, but also affected by the people that he's studying to this degree. And she's sort of in a similar field psychologically and she actually even has competing theories with his you know it'd be interesting that the if the maybe sort of way that their relationship were to either end or evolve might push her into acting on that knowledge you know and, and or acting on those impulses that I, or at least i feel like i'm seeing in her <laughs> and i'm like i'm like dude this chick is gonna kill somebody <laughs> if not holding <laughs> you know who knows hopefully not holding we can, we can only wait and hope i don't know if only cj were here and he could tell us how the book this is based on ends and we could say all right spoiler alert that he lives i mean he, <laughs> he had to, at least had to live long enough to write a book so we'll see what the hell that actually amounts to 
Um, this has been a very long uh, look at episode five. I'm sure there's things we missed, so we've dropped a few ways you can get in touch with us throughout the episode. Hopefully you caught those. If not, there will be business after we're done here. But uh, until then, why don't you tell us, Mr. TW, some things about what's going on in your world. Uh, where can people find you in Internetica? What can they look forward to? Is it the 20th book of the month? How many books have you put out so far since the last time we recorded a Mindhunter episode? uh actually because my audio schedule has gotten so crazy uh i've sort of taken a break i'm going to get back into the writing on monday um took a break for a couple of personal reasons just to sort of clear my head plus like i said i just i had a backlog in the in the audio world so i just i had to put all my focus on getting caught up on that i got signed on five different projects within three days and it wow. was like holy shit uh, okay so i had to get to work <laughs> it's good to be <laughs> yeah, in demand I, my friend good yeah, to be in demand. it's it's better than being unemployed yeah. so yeah, um awesome. but yeah I, you can find me on amazon i mean it's mostly the zombie stuff but uh i got a couple i've got a horror comedy out there as well and uh i'm starting to uh catalog and work my way up to writing a book about my Newfoundlands, and this is the time of year I'm actually really busy with them, uh, with water work, draft cart work. So you know it keeps me keeps me hopping. Plus my bees. You know, yeah. Gotta- wow, man. We're still we gotta get some Hollow Nine honey going on here. I want some honey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have a jar for you, man. Awesome, dude. Awesome. Maybe we'll auction that off on our potathon in July or something. Maybe we'll have a, a pint of honey that we could auction off. That'd be great. Well, all right. One for you and one for the masses. Oh, oh my God. All right, guys. You heard it here first on the Mind Hunter podcast. We're gonna have some really awesome stuff for you guys to look forward to in July. Whenever you're listening to this, that'll be July of 2018. Folks in the future, we're sorry. Hopefully the world is still here and that there's even more honey at that time and that you can find it on some kind of Hollow Nine branded store on the internet or whatever the fuck we are using. It might be some shit we don't even know about (laughs) from the Prometheus world. I don't know. Um, But until then, you know, just keep your eye on things like Hollow9.com. It's the word Hollow, the number nine, I-N-E.com. You can check out our Facebook page, which is the Hollow Nine Network on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Hollow Nine Cast. It's the same spelling of Hollow Nine every place you go. So it's the word Hollow, the number nine, I and E, and then you add whatever shit you need. So Hollow Nine Cast, uh, Hollow Nine Podcast at gmail.com, info at Hollow Nine.com. Um, there's a, a whole slew of ways you can interact with us and become part of the adventure. <laughs> uh, you can check out more of TW's work over on uh, Tangent City, which we are still diligently working on the back end of season one. And uh, we've also got a lot of other new projects in the works. So uh, and there's Orchid know. Grove tomorrow. So oh my god, the the long-awaited next audio drama in the uh, what I call our our inner circle of friends <laughs> you know from the very uh the hub. yeah yeah the awesome and talented drew carson from over at the tfau so uh yeah lots going on keep your ear to the grindstone as we always say and uh until the next meeting we'll be seeing you You've been listening to the Hollow Nine Network, bringing you the very best in fan-made media. That's the word hollow, the number nine, I-N-E. Now broadcasting from our new home on the web, hollownine.com, where you can find info on all of our awesome programming as well as the team behind the shows. Leave us your feedback. 
join in the conversation, and be a part of the action. Find the Holonine Network on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Email us at info at holonine.com or at holoninepodcast at gmail.com. Join in the fun. Hollow Nine.